0: It's time for the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. The podcast you look forward to for all of your news and reviews of the best comic books hitting stands. Whether it's DC, Batman, Wonder Woman, Marvel, Spider Man, Image, Spawn, Saga, Boom, Once and Future, Power Rangers, or whatever book or publisher you follow, we cover them all here. This is the place for you. That's right, it's for everyone. This is the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. Let's get it. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Comic Ben Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Theo, and welcome back. And if you're listening, you found us on our new feed with our new home. Uh, As I mentioned in our last episode, we were going to be making some moves. And uh, the biggest move for the podcast is that it has a new home. We have moved all of our podcast episodes over to the uh, And you can also get there by going to comicbenpodcast.com, So uh, moving things over, making it more more centralized with what we're doing with comic books. And so new home, uh, same great info. But again, check us out the comicbookspot.com and, ComicBinPodcast.com So, for this episode uh few things we're going to do First, uh, we're going to do some previews I've gone ahead and I've put my order in For the month of March uh, So I'm going to talk a little bit about those, Some of those books that I've ordered uh, Or some that you may want to pick up uh, even if I may not be ordering it for myself. Uh, and then we're going to close out uh, just talking a little bit about some of the books that I am currently reading. And um, as I mentioned a few times uh, in the past, as of late, I've been reading a lot more uh, indie books as of late compared to the big two of Marvel and DC. And it seems that 2023 is kicking off in that same manner with me reading more indie books as a whole than I am reading uh, DC or Marvel and as a matter of fact I'm being I'm reading very very few Marvel books at all these days Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those books that I've been reading as of late but as always Let's kick things off with the news. And first and foremost, uh, solicitations are out uh, for February for the books that will be shipping in April. Uh, So take a look at that. Uh, We'll be covering those uh, in a few weeks uh, in February. uh, Once we do our previous episode for February for those books shipping in April. Also, so it seems as if uh, Marvel is changing things up with its roster of the Avengers. So, and this new roster will be led by Carol Danvers uh, and will consist of Sam Wilson, Captain America, uh, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Thor, Black Panther, uh, and Iron Man. So, it's going to be a mix of some silver age and modern characters uh, making up this new team Uh, so this new team was introduced in the april solicits so uh, again take a look about take a look at that and uh, we'll probably discuss a little bit more as we get into the previews for the month of april for fans of the tv series The Expanse. Uh, Boom Studios is going to be releasing a new series uh, in April that will uh, take place, as they say, in the missing years in between the TV series. And so uh, this new series from Boom, The Expanse, The Dragon Toot, uh, will again Come out in april i think they will be doing some things with kickstarter as well with regards to this book and its release uh, but yeah center solicits uh to be shipped to comic shops in the month of april so be on the lookout for that when uh previews come out for that as well so Dynamite is going to be doing another James Bond series. So uh, this year marks James Bond's 70th anniversary. And so they are going to be releasing 007 for King and Country. Uh, This series does kick off in April as well. And it's going to be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by... Giorgio Spalletta. Uh, So again, be on the lookout for that if you're a James Bond fan. That book does release in April. And uh, as always with Dynamite books, there are a slew of covers uh, that they will be releasing for this title. So again, uh, James Bond 007 for King and Country. Okay, so to close things out, uh, I'm going to do a little bit, a di- little bit different. Uh, you know, still in the world of comics, but not necessarily comic books. So apparently, Marvel has started to film uh, the spin-off series uh, "Agatha, Coven of Chaos," starring Katrin Hahn, out there in Atlanta. So. Apparently, uh, Jalak posted a picture on Instagram that was quickly taken down. But of course, once it's up, you can't. It, it never goes away, uh, which seems to confirm that uh, *Coven of Chaos* is filming right now uh, with a uh, film chair for Katrin Hans. So. It, It will be interesting to see how long before we start getting trailers uh, for that uh, spinoff, which is supposed to be nine episodes over on Disney Plus. But we will see and hopefully we get uh, official confirmation from Marvel Studios that this is going on. And then lastly, just the other day, um, Amazon released a teaser trailer for season two of Invincible so they haven't announced an official release date for season two of the series just yet uh but apparently according to this teaser trailer it will be sometime in late 2023 more or less as they uh say at the end but if you uh Want to see it, it's out there on YouTube and Twitter and the rest of social media for you to check out. So, again, uh, Season 2 has been uh, going on as far as production and post-production. But, again, it's going to release at some point this year. Now, what point that is, uh, we'll never know until it's actually out there. So, that's going to do it uh, for the news for this episode. Uh, So like I said, I'm not going to do a full, complete previews episode this time around. I'm going to skim through some stuff that is going to be coming out in the month of March. Uh, As always, kick things off with uh, DC Connect before jumping into Marvel. And believe me, Marvel is going to be super quick, uh, because again, there are very few books uh, that I am reading from them right now, uh, which is unfortunate, and then uh, we'll get on into the big book from Diamond Distributors, so, with that being said, it is time for the previews. Time for the previews. So, as always, we kick things off with DC Comics and DC Connect uh, on their cover for this month. Uh, Again, going full blown with Dawn of DC after the end of their last event. But again, focusing on Dawn of DC, their featured story is Adventures of Superman, John Kent, written by. Tom Taylor with art by Clayton Henry not a fan of this rendition of John haven't been a fan since he was aged up thanks Bendis Uh, so I'll probably be passing this up I'm not going to focus too much on the titles that I normally get from DC you know my typical uh, Batman detective Nightwing but I'm going to focus on some of those, some of these new books that are going to be coming out in March. Uh, for me, first up is the second issue of Joshua Williamson's uh, Superman run. Uh, so that's Superman number two, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Jamal Campbell, which is on page six of DC Connect. Um... Well, first of all, I am, I am a huge fan of Jamal Campbell, so I'll pick it up simply for that. I am hoping that in Williamson's run on Superman uh, that we get more of Robin Joshua Williamson and not Batman. Joshua Williamson my concern is that just like doing his run his simultaneous run on Batman and Robin and Deathstroke and Shadow War and everything else that he was doing that he's just doing too much and the quality of the writing will suffer Uh, but I'll uh, be giving this a shot of issue number one actually comes out next month. Uh, so This is for issue number two. It's on sale March 21st, and it is $4.99 from DC. Now, I am typically not an Action Comics reader, but I do, uh, if I can get my hands on this 1 in 25 variant from uh, Nathan Sorority, I am going to be picking up a copy of Action Comics ten fifty three from Philip Kennedy Johnson, uh, Dan Jurgens, and Leah Williams with art by Rafa Sandoval, Lee Weeks and Marguerite Savage. Uh, so that releases on March twenty eighth. Also a four ninety nine book from DC. Now, a title that I am Definitely going to be picking up And I am hoping that it is uh, As good as I expect it to be uh, Page 8 of DC Connect Superman Loss Number 1 Written by Christopher Priest With art by Carlo Pangloin, uh, As well as Jason Paz And then uh, Joe Quesada and Lee Weeks Are also going to be doing some variant covers uh, The quick synopsis of that after Superman is called away on a routine Justice League mission, Lois Lane awakes to find a complete stranger standing in her living room. The man is still, home much sooner than expected, revealed he has, in fact, been lost in space for 20 years. Nothing and the no one seems familiar to him anymore, and the timeless bond between them has been severed or has it? Can love conquer all? Superman's 85th anniversary celebration continues with this all new blockbuster 10 issue series uh, from the creators of Deathstroke. And uh, when we say the Deathstroke series, uh, that's the Deathstroke series from Rebirth, which was absolutely wonderful. I loved both the art and the writing uh, particularly after we got into the Defiance run uh, in Rebirth for Deathstroke, so issue number one releases on March the fourteenth, four ninety nine from DC Comics, page twelve. So <laughs> DC's one bad day line that has been out last few months has been hit and miss for me uh of course the joker was terrible i'm sorry the riddler was terrible not the joker they didn't do that one thank god uh, but the riddler was terrible uh the penguin was terrible but uh 2 Face was absolutely wonderful uh bane was really good and uh This one is going to be Ra's al Ghul. Uh, This is Batman, One Bad Day, Ra's al Ghul. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Yvonne Reese and Danny Mickey. Uh, That is going to be a $7.99 book. Releases on March 21st from DC. And just looking at the interior pages, that's in uh, DC Connect starting on page 12, and then going to page 13. uh, It looks wonderful. Love, love, love Yvonne Reese. And then, so I have been reading, and this is page 16 of DC Connect. I have been reading, uh, Batman and Joker, The Deadly Duo. It actually started out with vibes from Batman Europa from a few years ago from Brian Nazarello, Uh, but it's kind of taken a turn since. Uh, But this is a 499 book releases on March 7th, issue number five of The Deadly Duo from DC. Page 20, Unstoppable Doom Patrol number one, Uh, written by Dennis Culver with art by Chris Burnham, uh, the strangest heroes are back in the DC universe. So after the events of the Lazarus Planet, more people than ever have active metagenes, most of these new meta humans have become misfits, shunned and imprisoned by a fearful society. They're hidden away in dark, lost system that only sees them as weapons, guinea pigs taking time bombs that can only be defused by the unstoppable Doom Patrol Three ninety nine that releases on March 28th from DC Comics so another book that I have not been reading in a while and my friend Ian over at the Batman Universe got me to uh, pick up The Flash uh, at the start of One Minute War, which is uh, already two parts in. Uh, but The Flash, number 794 uh, and 795, both released in the month of March. They're gone by weekly. Uh, so, written by Jeremy Adams, with art uh, by Roger Cruz and Wellington Diaz. Uh, again, 7 94 releases on March the 7th. 7 dollars re- releases on March the 21st. Uh, both books are $3.99 each. And of course, we have the Cardstock variants uh, from DC. Page 26, we get to the Milestone Spotlight. Uh, first up is the second issue of Static Shadows of Dakota, written by Nicholas Draper-Ivy and Vida Ayala, with art by Nicholas Draper-Ivy. Uh, that is a 3.99 dollars book that releases on March the 7th. And then on March the 14th, the following week, we get issue number two of Icon versus Hardware, uh, written by Reginald Hullen and Leon Childs, with art by Dennis Cowan. I had the uh, privilege of meeting Dennis Cowan in Columbus uh, at GalaxyCon uh, back in December. Uh, it was an honor meeting him and, and talking with him for a while. I hope I can get him on a show one day. Uh, but That is going to be a $4.99 book. And again, it releases on March the 14th from DC. So for you folks who are uh, collected edition types, you know, don't get the floppies, but we'll get collected editions and trades once they come out. Well, this collected edition is going to be right up your alley. It is going to be, a One Bad Day Spotlight, which is going to collect all of the issues of uh, One Bad Day. uh, And they're going to be in hardcover uh, format, unlike what they're being released now with the card stock. But that is going to be $45. Uh, This is an early solicit, of course. It's going to release on June 20th from DC. All right, so I need you all to mark this, this day in history down. Uh, page 38, Batgirls, number 16. Um, now, still not reading the run, although I did read issue 14, uh, which was that wonderful story uh, regarding Cass finding uh, Steph's body, who is presumably dead now. Uh, but this is Batgirls number 16, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, with art by Neil Gooch. Uh I am getting this for one reason and one reason only, and that is the very cover from David Marquez. So, uh, for March and for April, uh, because it was already announced in the solicits, uh, he is doing specific Batgirl variant cover. So in the March variant cover, he's doing one of Cass. And then in the one in April, it will be Stephanie Brown. So uh, I'll be picking up both of those. So mark this this, this point in history down that Theo is going to be buying uh, multiple copies of Batgirls. But uh, Batgirls number 16 releases on March the 14th, uh, as a $3.99 book, but I'll be spending four ninety nine to get that cost out variant of Cass. Page 40, Dark Knights of Steel, number 10, uh, written by Tom Taylor with art by Yasmin Putri. We're steady but surely getting to the end of the, the maxi-series. I haven't been happy with the, uh, the delays that have plagued this book. But uh we get issue 10 releases on March the 28th, 399 from DC, uh, we're getting closer and closer to the end of the series, uh, It's 12 issues. Next page, and uh, this is gonna be my last book for DC, GCPD, The Blue Wall, number six, written by John Ridley, with art uh, by Stefano Raphael, uh 399 releases on March the 21st. Uh, the story is quite dark. Uh, it is really set in today's tone with regards to society and its dealings with law enforcement. So you got to have a stomach to really want to read this book on uh, there's sometimes I want to pitch it against the wall, uh, but it's been okay, especially focusing on Renee Montoya and some of the issues that she's having personally, not just uh, professionally as uh, Commissioner of Police of Gotham City, but uh, some personal issues that she's having as well. So it Good story. Um, you may have heard me say on the comic podcast, the TBU comic podcast. That this is not something that you would want to read uh, if you're having a good day, because it can take you uh, it can take you down a couple of levels. But again, releases on March twenty first, three ninety nine from DC. And with that being said, now let's go on and and move things over to. Marvel Comics. And on the cover, uh, Doctor Strange number one. So for all of uh, my new comic book readers out there, uh, you may not know this, but typically a, a person who dies in the comic books uh, don't stay dead. And if they do, they don't stay dead for long. Um, unless you're Uncle Ben, Uh, Peter's still waiting on him to come back, but uh, he hasn't. So, uh, Doctor Strange, number one, the good doctor has returned from the dead. And uh, so that is going to be a new series written by Jed McKay with art by Pascal Ferry. It releases on March 22nd from Marvel Comics. Quick synopsis. Stephen Strange is back. Reunited with Cleo and Wong, it's back to business as usual for the Sorcerer Supreme. Have your children fallen into deep nightmarish slumber? Are demonic refugees invading your home? Is your husband possessed by a thetonic entity? Then call Dr. Strange. So again, that releases on March 23rd. Uh, Doctor Strange number one from Jed McKay and Pasquale Ferry Um, pretty sure that I won't be picking this up I haven't been a huge fan of Doctor Strange Uh, but there is a nice timeless uh, variant cover from Alex Ross that looks pretty neat uh, if you are a fan of his but uh, I don't envision myself picking it up again. Nothing against uh, Doctor Strange. I just haven't been a huge fan of the character or the comic. Now, one thing that I will be picking up uh, in the month of March for from Marvel is going to be a new series with my favorite mutant couple, uh, Rogue and Gambit. And this is going to be Rogue and Gambit Number One, first issue of a five part series written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Carlos Gomez. 399 book. A quick synopsis of it goes Quicora is on a precipice. Destiny alone can see what's coming. But the precog cannot act. For that she'll need her adoptive daughter Rogue. Husbands need not apply, but with Mutant Duties stealing Rogue away so much these days, Gambit is determined to make the most of the mission and put some Cajun spice back into the increasingly complicated love affair. He just has to make it out of the bar first. So again, that's going to be a three ninety nine dollars book. Rogue and Gambit number one releases on March the 1st, again three ninety nine from Marvel Comics. And then on page 72, uh, She-Hulk number 11 from Rainbow Round with art by Andres Genolet. uh mm-hmm. I've been starting to enjoy the series a little bit more uh, now that they seem to be uh, really fleshing things out with where things are going with Jen and and this nice little quarrel she's having uh, with the married couple couple who wants to steal her powers and this couple who uh, has a role in uh, what happened to Jack of Hearts. So again, this is uh, issue number eleven. It's a three ninety nine book. Releases on March the twenty second. From Marvel Comics. And then finally for me with Marvel page 75, Daredevil number 9 written by Chip Sadosky with art by Manuel Garcia. Uh, still getting used to bearded Matt Murdock and the idea of him being married uh, but quick synopsis for over three years. Daredevil's life has been a living hell. Between the stone ones to hand and his time incarcerated and exposed to Rasid. Now all of these dangerous forces are coming together and threatening everything. that Murdoch holds dear. Also a 399 book releases on the 29th of March. Daredevil number nine from Chip Sadowski, Manuel Garcia, and Marvel Comics. And so that is going to do it uh, for the Marvel's previews. Again, these days I am reading fewer and fewer books from Marvel. Uh, I just haven't had an interest in a lot of what they've been putting out. Uh, Too many X-Men to really follow along with what's really going on. In the X Men universe, uh, never been quite a fan of the Avengers outside of Jen's role in the in the in the team. Uh, so just haven't haven't been heavy on Marvel uh, in quite a while. Uh, I think the last time I was really heavy with Marvel books was doing the Hickman run with the X Men, and I was picking up uh, pretty much all of the spinoffs from that period, Uh, but these days, no, I'm not not reading much at all, but with that being said, it is time to move over to the big book, the previous catalog from Diamond Distributors. So, as always, with the big book, we begin by looking at the covers. Uh, This time around, we're only looking at one because it's an advertisement for supplies on the other Uh, but the comic for this month's previews is a new series from the creators of criminal and reckless ed brubaker and sean phillips Uh, this one titled night fever and the cover simply reads uh, brings fans a pulse-pounding Jekyll and Hyde noir thriller Uh, this is going to be coming out in June from Image Uh, but they have it as their featured cover on the Big Book for this month and so as always when jumping into the Big Book we begin with Image Comics and the first title on page forty-two, the ambassador's uh, new six-part series from uh, Mark Millar, with art by Frank Quitely. So I haven't seen him around in a while, uh, but it reads: Imagine you could give superpowers to six people in a world of eight billion. Who do you choose? Joint six of the greatest artists in the industry for an enormous story about ordinary people from around the world explaining why it should be them. And so uh, this first part is going to be with uh, art from Frank Whiteley. and uh, this is going to be a 399 book releases on March 29th from Image Comics. And then as I mentioned on the cover, uh, Night Fever from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, that is going to be a $25 book at 120 pages. And again, this is the early solicit. It releases on June the 14th from Image. Moving on to page 55. Forge, number one, written by Greg Rucker and Eric Troutman, with art by Mike Henderson. I haven't seen much from Greg Rucker in a while. So this one reads, in the 11th millennium of the rule of the Eternal Empress, a squad of planet-smashing super soldiers find their routine mission to be anything but... That is going to be a $5.99 book, 64 pages, releases from Image Comics on March the 15th. I'll probably be giving that a read one way or the other. Haven't seen much from Greg Rigger. I haven't been on his, uh, Discord server in a while as well, so I'm pretty sure they might have mentioned it there. But, uh. Haven't seen it. Alright, page 58, 58, and 59. No one, number one. Written by Kyle Higgins and Brian Bussolado with art uh, by Geraldo Porges. now This is going to be a 399 book releases on the fifteenth. March, uh, this is another addition to the massive universe. So uh, we already got Inferno Gold Red that is coming out uh, this week. Uh, then uh, Dead Lucky, we have Rogue Sun and Radiant Black, and now it's going to be No One. Uh, quick synopsis of that. Uh, Ten months ago, The Richard Rowe murders shocked the city of Pittsburgh. In the months since, the killings have sparked a dangerous political movement. Copycat killers and a mass vigilante who's still determined to hold the powerful accountable. Not a symbol. Not a hero. They could be anyone. They're no one. So... As someone that's been uh, following the massive universe, I'll definitely be picking this up uh, and add to my collection of the universe that seemingly is growing. So again, that releases on March 15th from Image Comics. Page 86, and uh, this is getting now into some of the stuff that I've normally been reading. Uh, The Magic Order number four, volume four of The Magic Order. This is actually issue number three of six from Mark Millar. uh, Releases on March 22nd from Image. Then on page 88, uh, Nemesis Reloaded from Mark Millar and Jorge Jimenez. I just read uh, issue number one of, of... reloaded and it was pretty pretty gory uh, as you can expect from from that series and uh moving on to well that releases first of all that releases on the 15th as well uh then on march the 1st uh, we finally get uh, ordinary gods number 10 from kyle higgins and joe clark 399 from Image Comics. Then on that following page, page 90, I we get issue 23 of Radiant Black from Kyle Higgins. Again, another three ninety-nine book that releases on March 29th from Image. And then on that following page, page 91, Rose Sun number 12, that's from Ryan Parrott with art by Abel. Uh, that releases on the 29th as well, and this is a $3.99 book. And then uh, at the bottom of the page, Saga number 63 from Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, that releases on the 29th as well from Image Comics, and as always, uh, Saga's a three ninety nine book. I've been getting a lot of Indies books this is probably the most from image that i've been getting in a while and uh most of that is probably due to the massive universe i've taken a liking to what uh those folks over there with kyle Higgins have been doing so uh, yeah i'm enjoying picking that up now moving on over to boom studios uh only one real book that I've been picking up regularly uh, that's still going on. And it is finally coming to an end. And that is Berserker. With Berserker number 12 from Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent. Uh, 6 dollars It also has an eight ninety nine foil cover. Uh, that is going to be released on March the 9th. That's uh, so where they finally finally yes finally are coming to coming to an end with that series uh, the epic conclusion to the groundbreaking original series is finally here Carwell's mess the plan is revealed setting up one final showdown with B and Diana at the end of all things the immortal warrior finds himself faced with a challenge that even he, might not endure. And if he does succeed, what will remain of him when there are no more battles left to fight? Gonna be interesting. They have a bunch of incentive covers, as well as a few foil variants. Uh then have, as always, that main cover is gonna be done by Rod Garney. But again, Berserker number twelve releases on march the eighth, six ninety nine from Boom Studios. Also from Boom, I guess I am reading something else at Boom. A while back, it was rumored that Mark Wade was going to be doing uh, *Irredeemable* again, and it seems like they are preparing for just that. And so, Boom is doing the complete *Irredeemable* by Mark Wade as a soft cover. Releases on May 10th, so this is an early solicit. Uh, it's going to be $60 at almost 1,000 pages. Uh, and it's going to collect all of the volumes that are irredeemable. So, irredeemable 1 through 37, the irredeemable special, irredeemable incorruptible, which was uh, that second volume, which goes from 25 and 26, and they're going to uh, hopefully be announcing soon that they're going to be bringing that series back at some point. But again, releases on May 10th, 60 bucks from Boom Studios. And then page 123, uh, issue number 9 of Grimm, written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Flaviano. Uh, that releases on March 8th, $3.99 book. Um, after this first arc, I am a little torn with the second. I don't know where they're going, uh, considering uh, Death is supposedly dead at this time. Uh, yeah, I'm a little up in the air, I'm, 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 and I'm also a little behind, so I can't say uh, too much with regards to where things may be. But... Uh, yeah, that releases three ninety nine, dollars 99 uh, and it releases on March the 8th from Boom Studios. Moving on over to Titan Comics. Uh, we get a graphic novel written by actress Jamie Lee Curtis of Hollywood fame, along with uh, Russell Goldman, uh, titled Mother Nature. Uh, art is going to be done by Carl Stevens. Uh, this is an early solicit. The book is going to be released June 28, $25. Uh, synopsis reads, After witnessing her father die by mysterious circumstances on one of the Cobalt Corporation's experimental oil extraction projects, Novotero has grown up to despise the seemingly benevolent company relied upon by the town of Catch Creek, New Mexico. The rebellious Nova wages a campaign of sabotage against the old giant. And until one night, the rebellious Nova wages a campaign of sabotage against the old giant. Until one night, she accidentally makes a terrifying discovery. About the true nature of the Mother Nature Project. And a threat that can destroy the entire town. So again, early solicit uh, releases on June 28th. From Titan Comics. Alright. Jumping on over to page 250. Eight. Uh, and that's uh, Frank Miller presents with Ronin, book two, issue number three. Uh, that is a eight dollar book, seven ninety nine, from Frank Miller presents. And then finally, gonna make a big, huge jump to the middle sections, uh, looking at IDW. Page three fifty four. Uh, we have several Star Trek books that I'm reading. Uh, first up, Resurgence number five from Andrew Grant with art by Josh Hood, and then uh, the Strange New World spinoff, which uh, is taking place in between seasons one and season two. Uh, both of these are going to be three ninety nine books from. IDW, and finally moving on to Valiant Comics, and I know I've mentioned uh, this title a few times in a few previous uh, episodes on the previews, uh, but we finally get Exo Man of War Unconquered from Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, with art by Liam Sharp. Uh, and I know last episode uh, I mentioned how Aftershock is going through bankruptcy. Uh, well, Valiant is on hard times as well. This is the only book that they have and solicits for the month of March. That's tough to see for a publisher that's been around for quite a while, even if management has changed hands a few times. Uh, but again, Exo Man of War Unconquered—that's a three ninety nine book from Valiant Comics. So that is going to do it for the previews catalogs for the month of January for the books releasing in the month of March. Uh, If you haven't uh, made your pick just yet, uh, make sure you get your orders into your local comic shop uh, before FOC so that they can get those books in for you. Uh, Now, before closing out the show, as I mentioned at the beginning, I wanted to talk a little about some of the books I've been reading as of late. Some of these titles have come to an end, uh, but some are still ongoing. And first up. So, everyone knows how huge of a Batman fan that I am, but what you may not know is I am a bona fide Trekkie as well. Uh, thanks to my school physics teacher. Thanks a lot, Mr. Fife. Um, And right now, Star Trek books are coming out from IDW. And one of the things that I have truly enjoyed about not just the comics that are coming out from Star Trek, but also the novels uh, that are also published is that they have done a wonderful job of staying within continuity. Uh, and, and that included the dreaded, uh, Calvin universe from JJ J. Abrams, uh, which I am hoping is now obsolete with how things seem to be going. Uh, but right now they have several books out, uh, being IDW uh, in the Star Trek universe. And uh, two of them that I'm reading that have had uh, issues come out in the past few weeks. Uh, First up is Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, Recently, issue 3 came out uh, from Dan Martin and Andrew Grant with art by Josh Hood. And Resurgence is actually a Prequel uh, to the video game that is coming out later this year from Dramatic Labs by the same name, Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, but again, this is again set in continuity, it's set within the modern Star Trek universe. And uh, Resurgence uh, brings into the comic. Uh, Dr. Leah Brahms, and if you remember her, if you watched the TV series, the Next Generation TV series, uh, you remember that she was one of Starfleet's preeminent uh, scientists on Warp Drive. And uh, she was a huge crush for Lieutenant Commander Geordi LaForge in the series. Uh, But this story, again, is a prequel to the video game uh, but it is it, it follows Leah Brahms As she is trying to Develop a new type Of warp drive And In doing this Uh, Star Trek Resurgence uh, the latest issue out, again, is issue 3 But in this, uh, In developing This warp drive, um Starfleet has basically nicked the program, told her to be done with it. They not sanction it anymore, so she disappears and she shows up in the Telerian Empire. And if you remember those guys uh, again from an issue, an episode of the Next Generation. they are a race, and in the episode uh, where Jean-Luc Picard and the Enterprise rescue this ship and aboard this ship, they find out that one of the rescued individuals was actually a human who was being uh, raised by a Talarian, And so in this issue now, this kid has grown up, and he is... Considered Talarian. Uh, he's a captain of a vessel, and uh, they they have Leah Brahms. Uh, Starfleet thinks that she has been kidnapped, but as you get to issue three, you realize that she left on her own accord simply because of Starfleet nixing her uh, warp drive project, and so uh, as they find her. They come to somewhat of an agreement. Uh, and make no mistake, the Tolerians uh, had captured the starship Resolute, uh, which is the vessel that is commanded uh, by Captain, Captain Solano. And uh, they come to this agreement. Again, the ship has been captured, but they come to this agreement because... Leah determines that the Resolute is capable of handling the project of this new warp drive. So they create somewhat of a partnership, although it is an occupation to use the Resolute to create this warp drive. Uh, And while all of this is going on, uh, Solano's first officer, uh, Sutherland, is basically failing to follow those orders and is looking for a way to free the Resolute from uh, the Tularians And by the end of issue three, um, he uses basically a, a fake emergency of a, not a cooling leak, but a plasma leak uh, to get the Talarians off of the Resolute. And by the time that happens, uh, the ship takes off, uh, and the issue ends with the Resolute basically running for its life. So again, I'm enjoying it. I like the fact that again, it's, I'm like, I like the fact again, that it is set within, the star trek universe using characters that is known if you watch the series um getting the latest issue that's out been out a few weeks is issue three uh, issue four comes out uh in a few weeks on february the 15th uh, that's when it's scheduled to come out right now of course that's always subject to change uh, but if you are a trekkie and looking for something to read uh outside of a novel, uh, pick up Resurgence and uh, prepare yourself for the video game that's coming out later this year. Now, the other Star Trek uh, series I am reading from IDW, and this one is actually tied in to one of the ongoing TV series, uh, Strange New Worlds is uh, Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Enigma. And this series, this mini-series, uh takes place in between the end of season one and the beginning of season two. So if you are watching the TV series, you know at the end of season one, which is the most recent uh, season for Strange New Worlds, Una, uh, AKA number one, uh, Christopher Pike's first officer on the Enterprise, is arrested uh, because she withheld from Starfleet that she is Illyrian. And uh, for those who may not be watching the series, Illyrians is this race of people. The Illyrian Empire is this race of people uh, who are genetically Modified their genes have been modified, and Starfleet has basically banned uh gene modification. so una revealing this would have basically disqualified her from being a member of Starfleet being an officer in Starfleet, and so somehow word gets out that she is and she's arrested. Uh, At the end of season one. So uh, in the comic series, uh, The Illyrian Enigma, and right now the latest issue that is out is issue two. Uh, And by the way, this is written by Christian Beyer and Mike Johnson with art by Megan Levins. Uh, But this series takes place in between season one and two and basically what is going on is captain pike and the crew of the enterprise are looking for ways by which they can help una Uh, and one of the ways by which they are looking to do so is by showing starfleet the error of their ways in how they are treating Uh, Illyrians. And so to do that, they actually set out to one of the Illyrian colonies. And so the original Illyrian Empire is inhabitable. So uh, they have colonies across sectors of the galaxy. Uh, And so the Enterprise goes out and they find one of these colonies. And uh, they look they are hoping to find a way to get information to help their first officer. Uh, So as they identify one of these colonies and they make their way there, uh, after some back and forth and some traps and escapes, uh, they come to an agreement that they would share information. Uh, And so Captain Pike and Spock meets with the governor of this colony and the, the governor explains what happened to the homeworld and how it is uninhabitable and it has toxic fumes and gases and storms, and no one can survive. But the Illyrian governor tells Pike and Spock that there is a tomb on the homeworld. Uh, that possibly holds the secret to how the Illyrians first began modifying uh, their genes and that this information might be useful to help Una in her trial uh, back at Starfleet. So as we get to the end of the issue. You know, Pike is determined to find his home world and to get whatever information that uh, could possibly help, number one. But he is suddenly sent back to the bridge of the Enterprise by himself. And uh, the governor basically kidnaps Spock. Uh, And as you get to the last few pages, you see where Spock has been genetically modified himself in a way that the governor feels will protect him from these toxic acid storms that are on the Illyrian homeworld. But apparently Spock uh, was really kidnapped because of some prophecy that the Illyrians believe in which it says that in finding this tomb, a Vulcan would be the one to be able to explain everything that is needed to know. Uh, And as you get to the last page of the issue, uh, you see where Spock is Modified, His skin is Basically looks crystallized And uh, It ends with uh, Him feeling nothing And Another Key part of this issue That I truly enjoy Is uh, Spock is Dealing with Emotional issues Himself And you know that is, of course, weird for Vulcans who, as a culture, uh, withhold and lock in their emotions. Uh, and we, we've seen, you know, for example, in uh, Abrams' uh, version of Star Trek where Spock loses his emotions a few times. And uh, you see it a few times in these first few issues of the illyrian Enigma where Spock is questioning his emotions. Uh, he has anxiety, uh, he has some fear, but he is able to, for the most part, hold them in and keep them uh, withheld from the view of his colleagues on the Enterprise. Um, but that is issue two of Resurgence. Like I said, that just came out. It just came out this past week. So uh, it should be available on uh, shelves at your local comic shop. Now, be before I move on, I want to talk a little bit about the art. And if there's anything I can say about the art, and I can say this both about resurgence as well as the Illyrium Illyrian Enigma. Uh, much more about the Illyrian Enigma is how good they come into actually portraying the actual characters from the universe. And again, it's 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 definitely the case with the Illyrian Enigma, because uh, you look at Pike, you look at Spock, uh, you look at renditions of Una in flashbacks, you look at Uhura, all of the characters look like the TV characters, which is great. And uh, you might say, you might say, well, hey, I mean, that's comics for you, but that's not always the case. Uh, For example, right now in The Star Trek series that is also going on in IDW, Uh, they've started a new volume of that uh, that focuses on Captain Sisko from Deep Space Nine. Uh, Not all of the characters, including Sisko, looks like the characters within the TV, TV series. So I don't know if there's some copyright matters involved in that or what but here like I said in the Illyrian Enigma uh, as well as Resurgence where they do flashbacks to uh, either of those episodes of the next generation either the one that focuses on Picard or the one that focuses on uh, Brahms. the characters look exactly like Uh, the characters portrayed in the TV series, and I truly enjoy that. Uh, The colors are wonderful. It really brightens up the page, and I read mine digitally. Uh, So the colors are beautiful. Uh, The art style is wonderful. Again, if you're watching a TV series, uh, Strange New Worlds, you have no trouble identifying who the characters are in these issues that have come out already. So, uh, that's uh, Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, Again, three issues of that are out already. And then uh, there's also Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma, uh, both from IDW. Okay, next up is... Over at Marvel, uh, Sins of Sinister, number one, another s- series that started this past week uh, written by Karen Gillen, with, art, uh, with main art by Lucas Winnick. Uh, in this first issue, there's a bunch of guest artists as well, uh, but the general premise on this is that Mr. Sinister has taken over the X-Men, has have, have basically implanted himself into the X-Men, uh, and with that has been able to take things over. And it is uh, where in how he has been able to get this done. Now, first up, I haven't been reading much X-Men in a while. Uh, I probably started dropping books as we got closer to the end of Jonathan Hickman's run as the head of X. Uh, But I did read uh, Judgment Day, which was that crossover with the Eternals and the Avengers. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, this story kind of kicks off in uh, one of the tie-ins from uh, Judgment Day. Uh, But the first issue kicks off uh, 10 years into the future, and we see Sinister standing amongst a bunch of eggs uh, that is used to resurrect uh, the X-Men, once they die. Uh, but as some of these eggs hatch, he, as they get to Sinister, he basically welcomes them as pieces of himself. Uh, but in the present, and Sinister has been thrown into the pit under, underneath Kokoa. Wow, it's really raining outside. It's- Sorry about that background noise. Uh, But he's thrown into the pit. And we see after a while that the other members of the Quiet Council, uh, Charles Xavier, Emma Frost, uh, Hope, they are all donning the diamond of Sinister on their forehead. And it turns out that they've been compromised by him. Uh, And you see later on in the issue that he has been planning this basically from the beginning of Hickman's run. So from the beginning of the Krakoa and Saga, Sinister has been attempting to take over uh, the X-Men and destroy the X-Men from within. And he did this by trying to compromise the makeup of the resurrection of X-Men. So for example, once Cyclops died, for example, when he was resurrected, uh, he attempted to somehow compromise in some genetic way of, well, some way of, uh, basically compromising and taking over and then planting pieces of himself at basically a clone type way into the eggs. But it was always unsuccessful and he was able to figure that it was unsuccessful basically because of hope and hope's mutant power as part of the five who were uh, required to make the resurrection possible. But as she did her part of the process, it basically cleaned out everything that Sinister implanted into this process. So uh, for, for 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 Sinister's plan to work, he basically had to compromise hope first. And uh, he was able to succeed at that. And at this point, uh, he has all of the members of the council compromised. And so while Sinister is in the pit, his clones slash uh, X-Men are basically putting ahead his plan to not only take over the planet, but eventually to destroy it. Uh, And they plan on doing so first by offering the X gene to the human race. Uh, And by doing so, they would then be able to participate in the resurrection. Uh, So if you can remember part of one of the big issues that Humanity had with the X-Men Was they figured out that They learned the secret to immortality And, uh Was kind of pissed because they wouldn't share That uh, technology with humankind But now The X-Men Are, or the mutants Are offering this up to Humanity But again, it's all a part of Sinister's plan And, uh few people have figured this out, uh, one being Ben Yurick the reporter, uh, but he is taken out uh, quite easily. The Avengers are eventually compromised as well, and uh, there is only one survivor, and that is Storm. Uh, and the reason why she's never been able to be compromised is because uh, she basically... that if she was to die she would not be resurrected and so she would be allowed to die in peace so that kind of foiled Sinister's Sinister's plan of uh, compromising all of the mutants on Krakoa. Oh and by the way is kind of destroyed also it's weird. Looking at the Quiet Council and this dead looking tree stump in the background just Ooze and gook in and out uh, but Storm is able to get away uh, they're not able to compromise her in any type of way they even tried to do it telepathically and they failed to uh, due to a failsafe that she had implanted uh, but as we move along in the issue um, we see things start to change and we see that Sinister's clones are starting to get a mind of their own uh, while still remaining loyal to the cause of Sinister. And so uh, at some point towards the end of the issue, uh, they basically vote against their maker. Uh, in what he wants to do, as far as moving forward with his plan, uh, but by the end of the issue, and as he's been voted against, and and he goes back to uh, he, he he goes back to his lair uh, in an attempt to get to his lab. Uh, he basically wants to reset everything and he wants to do so by basically, uh, doing what Mara did during the, uh, Pox era of X-Men, those, those 12 issues. And basically reset the clock to do it do everything with his plan over again, basically fixing the errors of his ways. Uh but he realizes as he gets to his lab that it's gone and he's unable to access any of his stuff. And so that's how the issue ends. Again, I haven't been following much of the X-Men saga, whether it's uh, X-Men or Marauders or New Mutants, but I have read some of Immortal X-Men, which is also written by Gillan. Uh, and again, I did read, I did read Judgment Day as well. And uh, I really like what Gillen is doing as far as his writing style and how he writes uh, the mutant world. And uh, it's not quite the same as what Jonathan Hickman was doing during his run, but it's still quite an enjoyable thing to read. Now, I also find it funny what Gillen accomplishes in this one issue. So, as he goes through this conquest, we see his, his implanted clones inside of the bodies of Uh, the X-Men, other mutants, whoever, are taking out those that are considered threats to him. So in one panel, you see Thanos is killed. In another panel, you see Victor Von Doom is killed. In another panel, you see Reed Richards and Sue Storm and Johnny Storm. They're all killed by Ben Grimm. And so... All of these things are just going on, and, and I, I kind of get Tom Taylor vibes from Deceased, only from the sense of how Taylor just freely killed off everyone, Batman, super, well not Superman, but Batman, Nightwing all of the other characters that you saw go by the wayside, and you've seen it here as well. You know, Scarlet Witch is killed. Magic goes and destroys Asgard, and uh, sends Thor, who's kind of retired anyway, but uh, kind of sends him off into the void of space. And so it's just a whole lot going on. But in the end, uh, we see Storm is actually teaming up with uh, Destiny and Mystique because, of course, Destiny can see in the future, so she figures it out, and you kind of get got sense of that. Doing Immortal X Men, that Sinister was up to something, so she and uh, Mystique got out before that plan was implemented. Um, you see, they now have Storm on their side. But something tells me that Sinister going to have to find himself teaming up with someone to help him kind of course correct, or at least that's what I think might happen. Uh, but this, this first issue definitely has reeled me in. I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue reading it. Uh, Again, I've always been a fan of Karen Gillan anyway, especially from uh, Once in Future. So, again, that is uh, Sins of Sinister, number one. Uh, At the back of the issue, uh, there is the checklist of all of the other titles that are a part of this event, I guess, if you want to call it that, I guess it's an event. Uh, the next one being Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number one, followed by uh, Nightcrawlers, number one, and Immoral X Men, number one. So that's all within this first tier of sense of sinister that's set up, and this first tier basically looks at a ten-year period. The second tier is going to kind of take place more than 100 years in the future, then uh, this third one that's going to end the series, which consists of four separate issues, uh, goes into year 1000. Uh, So I will definitely go ahead and and pick up uh, the Storm issue, uh, primarily because she's one of my favorite X-Men, and see what goes on with that. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to read the other issues, but again, it depends on how I enjoy the second one. Like I said, I'm already kind of reeled in after this first issue. Uh, the art is pretty good. Uh, I've never really cared about this new look for sinister that he's had since, uh, Hickman's run began. But, uh, it kind of fits the character also, this maniacal, insane, and sometimes comical character uh, that Sinister seems to be now. So it fits that, and I'm okay with it, although I'm I'm used to the pretty flat-top uh, guy that we've always had back in the day. Uh, but again... Sins of Sinister number one from Marvel Comics. Alright, next up, uh moving over to image now. Um uh, Inferno Girl Red. Uh this is the latest addition to Kyle Higgins Massive Universe, uh, which already includes uh Radiant Black and Rogue Sun and uh The Dead Lucky. So now we get Infernal Girl Red. Now, uh, while Infernal Girl Red is new as far as being publicly released, uh, some may have already read this issue uh, because it came out a few years ago as a Kickstarter campaign uh, that I missed out on. Stupid me. Uh, But now we are all getting to be introduced or at least reintroduced to uh, Infernal Girl Red. Now, remember, she was also in the crossover Supermassive. Uh, that was done uh, a few years ago as well. But uh, unlike uh, Rogue Sun, unlike Dead Lucky, unlike Radiant Black, who are all in the same universe, uh, of Girl Red is in a different universe while a part of this holistic, massive universe. So, uh, we have three in one dimension and we have one being of Girl Red that's in another. Now, of Girl Red is written by Matt Groom, artist done by Erica DiRusso, uh, with colors from Igor Monti, uh, Again, first of all, let's let's talk about the art. I love it. I mean, I am, I always appreciate good art, even if it's simple. Uh, and there's a lot of that in it. And I think part of what makes it good, you know, as it should, would be the colors uh, that's involved. And, of course, we see a title called Inferno Girl Red. So, yeah, there are. Definitely a ton of panels where there are different shades of red and pink. Uh, but outside of that, you know, there are some very vibrant colors that really just highlights the panels and helps you go from one page to the next. That's a great job there from Monty the colors and, and helping to really highlight the pencils from Erica DeRusso. So now from a story aspect uh this is just like the other releases of the Books in the Massive Universe. Uh this is an origin story and if you read Supermassive the crossover uh this takes a place of course before Supermassive. And so it introduces us to Cassia Costa and Hamam Ana, who are moving to a new city uh, due to Kasia uh, getting a scholarship, or at least getting admitted into this prestigious high school, one of the best in the country. And so they are moving to this new city, having a new life. Kasia is feeling a little uneasy about it. Uh, despite, you know, getting into a school with such prestige. Uh, And her mom is looking to start over again. Her mom is a journalist uh, who is looking to get back into the industry. Uh, But due to some uh, controversial stories she wrote, in the past uh, regarding a superhero of urban legend. Uh, She's had a hard time getting on most places. Uh, So again, we are introduced to Anna and Cassia and uh, some of the students who are at the school as well as. The school's founder, who goes by the name of Janine Carroll, who is this uh, world renowned physicist, engineer, etc. Uh, So, as the day goes on, uh, the city in which Cassia lives is attacked by some type of magical being or monster. But uh, before the city is able, well, not able, but before the city is is destroyed in one way or the other, uh, it is enclosed uh, in some type of force field. And uh, this force field basically protects them. Uh, But what also happens is this Bracelet with this magical gem uh, Flies And attaches itself To Kasia. Uh So While people are Wandering around trying to figure out what's Going on uh, A voice comes over And basically explains That uh, the city Was attacked and It is now being protected by this Force field uh, But that this force field only has enough air and resources and things of that nature to allow them to survive while they try to figure out what's going on. Uh, and whoever this voice is, uh, is promising. You know, it, this doesn't seem like the person that's behind it. Uh, but in the uh, dormitory where uh, Cassie is roommate is uh there seems to be this monster that is trying to get into the room and uh Cassia's roommate calls her and say hey i just want to make sure you're not in the building because there's this monster that's trying to get in and i want to make sure you're safe uh and while is having this phone conversation her mom recognizes this bracelet that's on her arm um, and you know she basically tells Cassia that uh, this this thing is more than what she thinks it is and she basically gives her the instruction to activate this gem this bracelet and uh, based on that she sends her off to save her, her roommate and She gets there, and she basically becomes Infernal Girl Red. Now, the reason why Cassia's mom knows about this is because the stories that she wrote in the past that got her into trouble was about uh, the Infernal uh, hero who, again, goes by, I'm assuming... The same name in in front of Girl Red. But with that bracelet until she makes her way to her dorm back, you know, to the floor where her room is. Where she encounters this beast um, that doesn't necessarily see her at first. And she tries to ignite this gem on her wrist. And it doesn't work until the monster actually sees her and, and heads towards her. And so, she again utters the words, and the magic words is, Inferno Ignite. And uh, she then turns into Inferno Girl Red. So, she battles this monster and saves the people and is able to save her friend. Uh, But by the time the issue ends and you get to that last panel you know her mom is basically saying hey we gotta we gotta figure out a way for you to learn how to really channel your powers but uh for her for cassia she wants nothing to do with this you know she she wants this bracelet off of her and she wants it off of her now and so that's how the story ends going into the second issue. Uh, there are some similarities with how this issue compared to some of the others uh, in the massive universe have begun. And maybe that's by design. You know, one in each of the current stories with the exception of Dead Lucky, Uh, there is some type of orb or gem or device that's that's able to ignite the power that each of the heroes have. Uh, We don't necessarily have that in Dead Lucky yet. Uh, And from what the solicits show, we don't necessarily have that with uh, the upcoming series No One. But it is interesting that there are some similarities. Now, considering that by the end of this first issue, Cassia is not interested in being a hero makes you wonder whether or not... uh, Or at least makes you wonder how much time is between this issue and the events of Supermassive. However, if you read Supermassive, you will also realize that the monster that she was fighting also makes an appearance there. So that kind of ties the story of Inferno Girl Red to, again, events in the universe of Rogue Sun and Radiant Black. Now, also of interest is... If Cassia becomes Infernal Girl Red in this issue, who then was Infernal Girl Red prior to this? Uh, I am going to assume that perhaps it may have been Janine Carroll, uh, because this city that they're living in, it's very high tech. Uh, she's a world renowned, rich physicist, engineer, so makes you wonder if she put these things in place to protect the city and if uh, she possibly could have been the hero at one point. Uh, one thing that we do know from the prelude into Infernal Girl Red is that uh, the hero knew Cassia's mama. So, you know, she she knows Anna, and I don't know, you know, what that connection is, how she knows her by the time we get to the main story. Uh, But I would assume that we'll probably get some more flashbacks to see how uh, those two possibly work together. Uh, So again, uh, I I enjoyed this issue. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't really been disappointed in any of the massive books and so that that that's always a good thing uh so again infernal girl red from uh, matt groom and erica DeRusso over at image and the massive universe and so closing things out uh we stay at image And uh, we go into the fourth volume of Mark Millar's The Magic Order. Uh, This is The Magic Order, number volume four. The Magic Order, volume four, number one from Mark Millar and D.K. Ruan. Uh, And so this picks up sometime in the future after the end of volume three. And so if you can remember what happened at the end of Volume 3, there were a few things. Uh, One, we saw that good old Uncle Edgar is starting to remember who he is. And the other thing of importance is that we see Cordelia having to make a real tough decision with regards to her brother Reagan as she and the magic order figures out that not only has he been using magic for his own benefit, which is against order rules, but he has also been using black magic, which is a big,
1: huge
0: no-no. And typically, uh, one of the first punishments that's given to members of the order that violate these rules is that they're banished from the order amongst other things. And so as volume three ended, uh, we see Cordelia giving Reagan a hug, uh, knowing that she has a tough decision to make. Well, issue one of volume four picks up later, sometime down the line, because we don't know yet what has happened to Regan. We know that something has happened. We know that he's been banished based on the dialogue between the various characters. But what is going on right now, we see that the Magic Order is under attack. And certain members are being destroyed, trapped, whatever. Whatever. Uh, and we see other members of the order who are recruiting other members of the order, such as Sammy Liu. And if again you read Volume Three, you knew that you know that Sammy Liu is the head of the order in the Asian region. Uh, but we see that he's also been recruited to this side of attacking uh, the other members of the order. And we find out that the person that's behind this is Madame Albany. And if you remember from the first volume of the magic order, she was one who felt she was entitled to lead the order. And since it was determined that she couldn't because of the Moonstones, uh, having that charge Uh, she tried to destroy the order and so um, we see that she's now back but ironically she is back in the form of Cordelia's niece Rosie Moonstone Uh, and she was able to do that because again in volume one one of the things that happened was that Rosie and her mom Were killed Uh, So while Rosie was Technically dead Albany was able to Possess her body And she basically Grew up as this Child so Rosie Quote unquote Rosie is nine years old but Albany is within her Body and she is now Coordinating this Attack on the members of the order uh, and by the end of the issue we see that sammy has made the ultimate attack against cordelia uh, and blowing up the building that she's in and uh, we are left with wondering how successful that attack was uh, know, again, short and sweet, that's what we get in issue one of uh, volume four of the Magic Order from Mark Millar and D.K. Ruan. Uh, it is amazing from an artistic standpoint that Mark Millar is able to find these artists who really have some different styles in their art but it really all looks the same there's not much difference i mean you can tell some but overall it they, they look really similar and i would i would think that some of it may have to do with the colors but still it's just great that you can get through these different volumes of the series and not notice much difference uh if there is one that really sticks out, it's probably volume one that had Oliver Corpio on the art. But again, the colors are pretty similar. Again, you have to have it considering that this is a dark magical series. So, you know, those tones really need to be consistent. Uh, But from a pencil standpoint, there also isn't a lot of difference despite the fact that there are different artists on each volume of the book uh, and again you know mark millar you 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 know how he writes and you know this story much like his other books whether it's kick-ass whether it's Hit girl you know they they're not for kids so this is not something that you want to passed along to the youngsters to read. Uh, there is some gore. There's, of course, a lot of cussing. Um, and, you know, just it's it's for mature audiences only. But again, I've been following The Magic Order since uh, Volume 1. I will finish this one out as well. Uh, I would assume at some point we're going to get more information about the TV series that's uh, supposed to pop up on Netflix at some point. And, of course, uh, if you don't know, uh, Netflix actually owns the rights to the majority of Mark Millar's uh, Millar World comic line. Uh, I think the only ones he did not give up control over was, uh, uh, hit girl kick ass. Uh, I want to say maybe, uh, Kingsman. I think he still owns that exclusively as well. Uh, but most of the other books that are under his umbrella, uh, when he moved over to Netflix, they, they bought that out. But again, uh, issue one is on, on shelves now, uh, Volume 4 of The Magic Order from Mark Millar and D.K. Yuan over at Image Comics. So before heading out uh, for this episode, uh, two final things I want to do. First off, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what I am looking forward to reading come uh, New Comics Book Day. uh, And... this episode is released. It's actually going to be on Wednesday. So uh, listen to this uh, and and then go and pick up your books and uh, hope you are taking uh, my suggestions to heart. So first up, uh, I am going to be picking up, of course, Radiant Black. Uh, It has become quite interesting again uh, now that there are two people holding the Black Radiant and doing battle to protect Illinois. Uh, So this issue is issue 21 from Kyle Higgins. uh, Also coming out for new comic book day, The Flash One Minute War Special Number One uh, from Jeremy Adams and a host of artists. Uh, Again, I've been pleasantly surprised with The Flash since uh, I was asked to start reading it from my friend Ian over at the Batman universe. It has been uh, quite well, at least with these first uh, few issues that are out. And again, remember, uh, One Minute War in itself is going to be a twice a month book uh, for the and I think there are six issues total so i'll be uh, reading that as well uh so i mentioned radiant sun issue number 21 earlier now the other uh, massive book rogue sun also has an issue coming out on new comic book day so again this is issue 10 with art from another host of artists uh but written by brian Parrott and rachel wagner uh, so that is out as well. A new series from Marvel I'm probably going to just take a quick look at to see if it's something I may want to follow. Uh, Silver Surfer, Ghost Light number 1 from John Jennings with art uh, by Valentine Delandro. Over at DC, we have a few new uh, Batman books coming out. Uh, This one's going to be Legends of Gotham, uh, number one, from Andy Diggle, with art by Carl Morstead. This one, I think, is a one-shot only involving the Outsiders. Uh, I need to read up on that. I am still not happy that we haven't gotten an Outsider series yet from uh, Brandon Thomas. I'm still hoping we can get that one day. Uh, Marie Javins, if you're listening, please. Please make that happen. Then uh, Lazarus Planet continues with this one uh, that will actually came out today, being Tuesday, uh, Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn number 1, which I am assuming is uh, a anthology-type issue uh, with some writers and some artists all lending a hand to different stories. Uh, But that'll also be out on comic book shelves. Then uh, Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, number one, from Danny Lohr with art by Karen Dabour is going to be out over at Marvel. So Blade has a daughter and she's going to be getting into the family business. So I'm probably picking that up uh, in physical form. Then, uh, Star Trek number four from Jackson Lansing with art by Colin Kelly. Uh, I've been really enjoying this one as well. And if you're not reading this one, just know uh, Star Trek, this volume of Star Trek, focuses on uh, Benjamin Sisko from The Space Nine, who has returned from the wormhole uh, near the Bajoran empire Uh, and he has taken up uh, a crew including uh, beverly crusher data and scotty yes that's scotty Uh, as they are looking to do star trek stuff and uh, this involves trying to figure out what's happening not only with the gods quote-unquote, that are living within the wormhole, but other entities that are now being attacked. uh, And we saw in one issue where the crystalline entity was basically destroyed in a blank of an eye, and they found the beings that created the weapon that was used to kill them, but now they're on uh, the trek to find the actual culprit who... uh, is doing all of these murders. Uh, so that is out on shelves. And then uh, one of the books over at Image that I've been really enjoying has been Flawed from Chuck Brown with Art from Prinzi. Uh, on Wednesday, we get issue number five. And so uh, basically we're going to get a, origin story on this serum that has allowed the Skinwalker to uh, not only be immortal, but to somehow share uh, some of that, I don't want to necessarily say immortality, but some of his uh, essence with others. So that's also on shelves. So yeah, so we got a good bit of books that are going to be coming out. Uh, on New Comic Book Day. So, again, visit your local shop, support them, and uh, pick up a bunch of books and read them. So, that is going to do it for this episode of the Comic Ben Comic Book Podcast. Uh, next time, we'll probably be reading or at least reviewing some of these books that I just mentioned. Uh But before I go, I want to give a special thanks to the folks at Fan Expo. Um, As you know, January is the kickoff of con year. And New Orleans is always the first stop on the comic convention, the geek convention, geek culture convention schedule. Uh, with Fan Expos as they have taken over from Wizard World. And so I had the opportunity of, uh, getting press credentials and, uh, heading over to the show and, and doing a story on it that's on the website right now. Uh, I missed the first day due to some work, uh, and that prevented me from getting some of the interviews that I was hoping to get with some of the guests that was there. Uh, But nonetheless, I still had a good time, was able to get some decent pictures and talk to some fans and uh, have a good time. And I just want to thank those folks at Fan Expo for giving me that opportunity again this year to cover the event. But again, that's going to do it for this week's episode. And again, I want to thank you all for patience as I pushed out another episode. Uh, The new site, as I mentioned, we now have a new home at comicbookspot.com is up. Uh, We are looking at doing a whole lot more than what we were previously doing on the other website. We were looking at having more comic book reviews and just having more stuff in the world of comics. Uh, We may even expand out to do more than just uh, comic books, but other forms of comic book media. So again, thank you all for your support. Uh, Feel free to follow us on social media. Uh, None of that has changed, but as always, until we meet again, keep reading those comics.